May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Merry Christmas. It's usually around this point, a couple of days after Christmas morning, the first day of Christmas, that I'm especially grateful for the church calendar. There is so much anticipation, both sacred and secular, leading up to Christmas that one day can hardly suffice to celebrate what we have waited so long for. The church, at least, understands this. We get 12 days to revel in the joy of this season. And this is just the beginning of day three. Lean into the rest of Christmas. Rest. Be present. We all need it. I'm wondering this morning if you found any clothing wrapped in one of the packages you opened on Christmas. I imagine many of you did. It's a common gift, one that the kids find especially disappointing, but often useful and welcome to those of us a little riper in age. Clothing is perhaps a more apt Christmas theme than we might at first think. We find it deployed as an image in both our Old Testament and epistle readings. In Isaiah, we hear God's restoration of Zion described as a kind of clothing. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Again, in his letter to the Galatians, we hear St. Paul telling us that as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. In our gospel reading, there is no explicit mention of clothing, but I think it is conceptually very present. The word became flesh and lived among us. The second person of the Trinity, the word that was with God at the beginning of all things, the word that was and has always been God from eternity past, took on human flesh, wrapped himself up in the physical nature of creaturely reality, that he might enter into that reality, our reality, and make himself known to us. The incarnation is, in a sense, God putting on the clothing of humanity. Now, by saying this, I don't mean at all to dabble in any of the various Christological heresies by diminishing the metaphysical reality of the incarnation. The humanity of God is not a thin outer layer that he might as easily cast off as he put on, say, at the end of the day before bed. Jesus did not leave his humanity behind when he ascended into heaven. The incarnation is a profound event whereby God takes on human nature in such a way that God's being is forever united with human being, and human being has entered into the very life of God. But to see the incarnation as a kind of clothing is, I think, to imagine it in a way similar to how St. John is describing it. When we think of what clothing does, we probably think first of its concealing function, when Adam and Eve first became aware of their nakedness as something that awakened shame in them, they wanted to cover it up. They wanted to conceal it. Clothing conceals. 
But given a moment's reflection, we quickly see that clothing can reveal as much as it conceals. Think about how much we communicate through what we choose to wear. My hat might tell you about what sports team I root for. My t-shirt might tell you what music I like to listen to. Or what my life philosophy is, or maybe just what I think is funny. The cut of my jeans or the style of my shoes might tell you what social scenes I identify with. The brand of my clothing might tell you how much money I have or how much I want you to think I have and the, deg the degree to which I care about what that makes you believe about me. Then again, my clothing might instantly tell you about what role I play in society, whether I'm a healthcare professional, a soldier, a construction worker, a firefighter. The, communica the communicative, revelatory function of clothing is as basic as its concealing function. And it is known to us from a young age. Years ago, I was getting ready for work on the day when we were having our office Christmas party. I decided to wear an ugly sweater that my boss had given me as a gag gift. It is Star Wars themed, and it is truly garish and awesome. I was coming down the stairs, and I was stopped dead in my tracks by my daughter, Audrey. She was about four or five at the time. She looked up at me through narrowed eyes with an expression on her face that needed no words to communicate her incredulity and disapproval. <laughs> Dad, is that R2-D2 on your shirt? She asked. Uh, yes, it is, I replied, feeling unexpectedly self-conscious all of a sudden. Is he wrapped up in Christmas lights? Yes, yes, honey, he is. Are you going to wear that to work? Audrey was too young to appreciate irony, but she knew already at that age that clothing communicates. It tells others something about who we are. She understood that work was a place where I communicated, a very specific, consistent message about myself through what I put on every day before going there. This sweater was most definitely an aberration and not an acceptable one. She understood what was at stake and the look on her face said it all. Really? This is who my father is? What St. John is pushing us to see at the beginning of his gospel is that the Incarnation reveals to us who our Father is. It is not as though God had not revealed himself to us before. That God should identify himself as Word already tells us something of who God is. He is one who speaks, who communicates himself. The world he created came into being through the Word he spoke. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being, John says. The world he made bears the mark of its maker and reflects him. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. And that's the problem. Because we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, we could no longer clearly read the book of nature. God's speech to us had become inaudible, foreign. 
So the word became flesh and lived among us. He partook of the visible stuff of which we are made and made himself visible. In so doing, he revealed to us who he is. We have seen his glory, John says, the glory as of a father's only son. God came to us as a son so that he could reveal God to us as a father, a father who loves what he has made and wants to redeem it and save it from the sin that would destroy it. In our reading from Galatians, St. Paul takes this insight that God is father and makes it clear that God is our father. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. But that God should take on human flesh and enter the world as we all do, born of a woman, is not only an informative act, it is transformative. As many of you as were baptized into Christ, Paul says, have clothed yourself with Christ. God clothed himself with humanity so that we could clothe ourselves with him. And once we have put on Christ, the truth about who we are is communicated. We are not the slaves we appeared to be. We are no longer the subjects of evil and death. In Christ, we are children of God. This changes everything for us. It transforms our reality. Putting on the flesh of the word made flesh speaks a new word about the world we live in, a truthful word. For it is not only the literal clothing we wear that communicates meaning to us. Every level of visible reality is significant to us, including and especially those distinctions by which we evaluate and define our relationships. This is what Paul names when he says that once we have put on Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female. Like the God in whose image we are made, we are communicative creatures. But because we are fallen creatures, the words we speak are all too often false, twisted words that perpetuate the evil and death to which we were subjected. We see natural distinctions like male and female, ethnic distinctions like Jew and Greek, or socially constructed distinctions like slave and free. And we make meaning of them that we can use to justify division, animosity, and oppression. This is the false kingdom of evil and death that our fallen humanity has created and become enslaved to. And this is the humanity that God heals and redeems by becoming human and dwelling among us, that we might partake of his true humanity and so become part of his kingdom, full of grace and truth. But how does all of this touch the ground for us 
in our situation here and now. It has been a hard year. The distinctions that sow division and discord in the kingdom of death have been all too visible. We have seen that racism is very much alive and well in America. We have seen politics drive us further apart and infect the very life of the church as people confuse allegiance to Christ with party affiliation. In our own community, at All Souls, we have been reeling from a trauma we never thought we'd have to face. And we have had to fight the temptation to draw up battle lines and take sides against one another. To make matters worse, we are living in the grip of a global pandemic, which has made it difficult to be a community at all, let alone a community that lives into the unifying and healing reality of Christ's kingdom. I confess that this Advent and Christmas season has been hard for me to enter into. Maybe it's been hard for you too. Maybe you hear St. John declare that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it, and it just rings a bit hollow. The darkness sure looks like it's winning. It's Christmas. Jesus is born. The light of the world has come. But where is it? Where is he? In a few moments, you will take a piece of broken bread and you will hear that this is Christ's body given for you. Maybe you can't see Christ in the world around you or maybe it's just been really hard to see him this year. Open yourself to seeing him here. As you listen to the crunch between your teeth, taste the bread on your tongue and feel it slide down your throat. Let God enter into that physical act and communicate his gracious presence to you. Then when we are sent out at the end of the service to love and serve him, look for Christ in the flesh of your neighbor this week. Jesus promises us that whatever we have done unto the least of these, we have done unto him. And who might the least of these be for you? Think again of the distinctions that divide us. Who is on the wrong side of one of those distinctions in your life? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe a coworker. Maybe it's your literal neighbor next door. Maybe one of those divisions has recently placed a strain on one of your relationships, your friendships. Maybe it's a fellow soul. Open yourself to finding Christ here too. Let the word made flesh speak truthfully to you about this person, that you may find Christ and love him in serving the needs of your neighbor. O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Amen.